0: All right. Hello, everyone. Hey, hey, all right. Okay. <laughs> well, we are in the book of Luke still. And as a matter of fact, we're still in the same chapter. This is about our fifth week now in chapter 12. Uh, but that's good, right? It's all good stuff. We're having a good time. We left off in verse 35. So uh, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 35. I'm going to read uh, the first six verses up to verse 40 uh, of this section. It says this, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds him awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Let's pray. Father, we pray that uh, you would speak to us tonight through this study. Lord, we pray for hearts that are expectant of your return and prepared lord not just for fear of getting caught in something but longing and looking forward to the day when you return so lord uh minister to us we ask now in jesus name amen well it begins and he says as we read in verses 35 and 36 this idea of being prepared as if you were a servant and uh, the master of the home went out for a wedding feast or something like that Uh, Be prepared for when he comes home He's going to knock on the door And and he wants to know you're ready Not that you have to be roused out of bed Or something like that Now the context again of this chapter We've been looking at And most recently specifically Is the idea of Setting our hearts toward heaven Not on the things of this earth And master make make my brother Give me my share of the inheritance And Jesus goes in and starts talking about Covetousness and greed And um, that this fellow's eyes were on the wrong things And so on So another way that we can ensure that we are seeking heaven is to be daily prepared for the Lord to return. We know the Lord's prayer is, we pray, thy kingdom come. Well, how do we live in such a way that we are daily prepared for the Lord to return? And why is that beneficial? Well, we're going to take some time. We're going to consider those things. Remember, in the context of things, uh, the chapter began where people were focusing on man and the focus on man led to what you guys remember it was a fear of man remember and and then ultimately that was a hypocrisy because people were living two lives and then he went in he said you're gonna be dragged before magistrates and you don't have to worry about what you're gonna say in those instances again this idea of fear of man that was in the beginning of the chapter in the last week or so we looked at this idea of money so we could focus our attention on man we could focus our attention on money but here we are told to focus our attention on the kingdom coming, right? And the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a parable. And it's a parable to live our life in such a way that we're ready for the return of Christ. Not that we want to be look to be ready sometime in the future. Well, I'll, I'll get ready. At the right time, I'll get ready. But we want to be ready now. I remember a comedy sketch that uh, Bill Cosby did in which... His kids are interacting with their grandparents, his parents, uh, and they love the grandparents. Grandparents are wonderful. And Bill doesn't get it because he was raised by these same people. And he says, no, 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 these are not the same people. These are old people trying to get into heaven now. Uh, And, you know, this idea, when I get closer to heaven, then I'll get ready. You know, I'll start thinking about things then. But Jesus makes it very clear here that we need to be ready now. Certainly, we don't know the day or the hour that... He may return, and we don't know the day or the hour where we may go to him. And not everybody is guaranteed 70 or 80 years. Um, the general idea of that passage is if we're lucky, we get 70 or 80 years, or we're fortunate, we get those years. But there are people that go very young, People, many people that go unexpected. Uh, so we want to make sure that we are ready. So I'm going to ask you a question. What are some things that we can practically do or what are things you do that you can help your brothers or sister here to help you maintain an attitude of readiness? Well, one thing my
1: mother taught me from the time I was little is don't go anywhere, don't do anything that you wouldn't take Jesus along with you.
0: Okay. So when you're doing that, you're also
1: ready for when it comes. Mm hmm. And
0: how does that help, do you think? Because it
1: puts the word continually in my heart Good. and it keeps my focus away from hmm. the worries of this day.
0: Well, day absolutely. Great. Alright, so the idea of don't get yourself into anything that you wouldn't want to bring Jesus along to or certainly you wouldn't want him to find you doing when he were to return. And then obviously focusing in on the word of God. Good. They're great. Anyone else?
1: that You're kind of, um, you know, you're always ready in that instance. You're living for the kingdom, you're living in response to the kingdom. Hmm. Uh, I don't know why, but when I read this, I feel like it's it's tedious to wait for something in that sense for some reason. Uh, Okay. Maybe I'm not getting it, but.
0: So you think it's saying that it's tedious, or you're just saying. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Okay. Um But how about this idea though, if you were the employee or the the servant and you know, you know your master's coming back at some point in time, that idea that you're just saying be ready for that. Would that seem it might seem tedious to you as you're sitting there waiting, but it makes sense though, doesn't it? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else? What's a spiritual discipline you could do if you needed to teach yourself, let's say, self-denial? Fasting. Fasting, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you noticing yourself, you know, I just I just kind of get whatever I want whenever I want it, you know, and maybe nothing wrong with it. You get something to eat or you're shopping and All right, I'll buy that, you know, this or that. And then you begin to think about that and you say, "You know what this?" <clears throat> I, it'd probably be good for me to say no to myself every now and again. You know. So you fast um, from this or that, whatever it may be. So there are things we can do to teach ourselves another thing, is the point I'm making here. I wonder if there are things that we could be doing to teach ourselves to fix our eyes on heaven. And so uh, Ruth has shared some things, some other people have shared some things, uh, and I'd encourage you, you know, seek the Lord. And I think one helpful, just very simple thing, Beginning of the day, you know, some people say before you put your feet on the ground uh, out of bed, but just at the very start of your day, if you were to work into your prayer life and mean it, not just a habit, but to work it into your prayer life and say, Lord, if this is your day that you're going to return, how would I have lived my life differently? Now, if I knew the Lord was returning today, I probably wouldn't go to the gym or I wouldn't go to work or something like that. Certainly we have to... You know go to those places do those things but would your attitudes be different would you forgive people more probably so would you be willing to share your faith even if a person is probably going to reject you i bet you would you know because who cares what they're going to do to me tomorrow i won't be here you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so just by asking that question um, or making that statement to the lord i think that can focus us in uh, on that all right so here's another question when will jesus return he says this idea that when the master of the house comes home it's referring to him when will he return nobody knows well i heard chuck missler say he knows the hour it's between 2 a.m and 3 a.m he said but he just can't tell you which time zone He's not quite <laughs> sure about that. All right. So, anyhow, so he knows the hour, but we don't know the day. We don't know the hour. So you know, it, it amazes me when folks come along and say, you know, it was revealed to me. We're like what? <laughs> like, anyway. So it can't it's be. Not even maybe it. Yeah, he didn't even know. So, uh, but we do know. That is, his return is imminent, and by that means, it could happen at any time. Um, what I find interesting, and, and this is one of the reasons why I hold to the the idea of pre-tribulation rapture, because if I held to a mid-trib rapture, then there are some things that have to take place before the rapture can occur. But I believe that the rapture is imminent; that it could happen at any time. That being said, as we are moving, in my opinion, closer and closer to the end times and you're seeing these things, these birth pangs, if you will, that are occurring, that tells me it could happen at any time. The rapture doesn't occur when the tribulation begins. It occurs, in my understanding of the scriptures, before. Is it a year before? Is it five years before? We don't necessarily know. Is it a day before? But either way, something's going to bring it. uh, It's coming, uh, and it is imminent. His return is imminent. And so we want to be a people that are ready first term now here's a point that i want to draw your attention to jesus talking about a wedding feast and servants and everything our wedding feasts even the long ones that go to midnight they have an end you know you you go on the day they finish that day and you go home a wedding feast there in israel could have lasted as long as seven to ten days and so uh the master goes off you know he might be coming back in two three days four days five days seven days i don't know when he's coming back but i'm sure he'll be back soon and so these servants, it wasn't a matter of just putting in a couple of hours and waiting them out. It could be days that go by. And so you can imagine that, you know, on that third day, you're probably thinking he's coming back. So you're cleaning up a little bit more. Everyone's, you know, dressed in as they're supposed to be and doing what they need to. Then on that fourth day, then on that fifth day, then on that sixth day, you begin to lose perhaps a little bit of focus. Wondering if he's going to come this day or that day, this day or that day. So here we are. You know, many of us we got saved five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, and people told us about the rapture back then. Still hasn't happened. I don't know. Is it really? Say what? The disciples. Yeah. You know. So here it's been a couple thousand years. Does that reduce the imminency of it? No. We're closer now than anybody has been. You know. So it's more likely going to happen in our day than it was in any of their days. And so we want to make sure. Uh, that we are ready alrighty Um, and that requires daily preparation so here's a question when are you most likely to lose focus um, in your concentration as far as your walk with Christ is concerned because we are supposed to have our eyes fixed on heaven so when are you most likely to lose that focus if
2: you're not praying if you're not in the word if you're not in the
0: okay (laughs) <laughs> all right i was thinking more of like me, seasons but okay so it's at work okay. but i think that's right too though okay. no i think that's a great answer so if you're not praying enough fellowship not in the word when you're at work okay does everyone know why for him all right we don't have to ask him why that is yes we all agree that happens to all of us probably how how come work do you think
3: stress hmm. I mean, Frankly, I think of you a lot because I I see how things are here with you and people are always demanding of your time and I'm kind of that way when I'm at work because Mm. I have people demanding of my time all the time when it's really stressful. It's easy to sort of slip into stress mode Mm. and get a little snippy, get a little, you know.
0: Yeah, I understand. Do
3: things that you... Oh, gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. That wasn't Mm. a good witness. Mm. Okay. Some, not every day, but some days
0: I got yeah. you, thank you appreciate that some,
3: some of the um,
2: I used to work over at building services T C N J, and some of the uh, co-workers there a few of them were not had uh, had their minds in other things, less godly mm-hmm. ventures, some of them would come down to to the break room in the morning, and where we had a TV, and then the, they'd want to watch *Units uh, of Murray* and uh, *Or Springer* or some or something. And some of them w- had X-rated minds, and mm. Uh, mm. as I used to have, but I don't. Oh and uh, yeah. and as much as I love the love them, I just um, they it's it's harder to. to you, you work with them because you have to, but uh, even though you wish they, they did change their um, their ways, but it's just harder when you have somebody who's got uh, who works like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, who uh, has their <coughs> minds where <coughs> <coughs> mine used to be in the gutter. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I hear you.
0: Okay. Sure. Good one. I would say when I'm very <laughs> comfortable. You know, sometimes, like, uh, if just very much at ease, everything is going perfectly, I'm on vacation or something like that, you know, then you start, this isn't such a bad earth. You know, it's nice. Look at the waves, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, we can get distracted. This time. So we want to be people that are. With their eyes fixed on heaven. Now he says, dressed for action and keeping our lamps burning. Uh, so we're going to take some time to look at this idea of what it means to be dressed for action, what it means to keep our lamps burning. Uh, first off, notice the phrase and, that it's the two that go together. All right, so uh, loins girded, dressed for action. The The idea there is, you know, in a culture in which the men wore more of like a robe sort of a thing, Uh, that was long and hung down Uh, it could be cumbersome if you had to go to work if you had to go run to somewhere whatever it may be and so what they would do is they'd kind of fold it up tuck it into the belt area and now it's more of like like a skirt or a shirt or shorts i should say Um, but it gives the knees access to move and they can go on and do the thing so that's the idea of dress for action Um, and then it goes on and it says and keep your lamp and keep our lamps burning Uh, so You know, in a society in which the lamps were like an oil-based lamp, um, if the oil ran out, the lamp went out. And so you had to constantly be vigilant. You had to watch the lamps and add the oil and do those things uh, that are required there. So being girded, having the oil, there's value uh, in being ready for service. But if that lamp, you know, if that goes out, uh, so, yeah, I'm girded. I'm ready. But if the lamp goes out, you're not going to be doing the work that you need to do. So you want the two things together. So what would you say that in this parable that lamp would be? The of Jesus. Okay. That's um, like, you know, like, I don't know if you know, but in, we always say it. Youth group answer, if you're not sure, just say, Jesus. And then you're like, <laughs> yeah, good enough, you know, close enough. Um, so that fits. But think of the think of the Bible. Uh, what is compared to a lamp in the scriptures? The word is right. Psalm one nineteen, your word is a lamp to my feet, light to my path, and so on. So the word of God certainly, um, oil in the scripture. Uh, when we see in the in the Old Testament, for instance, is representative of what? Yeah, it is. It's associated with healing. But the, the oil is a symbol of of whom? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And so we are girded, we're ready, we have the Word of God, and we have the leading in the direction of the Holy Spirit, those three things. And so we need those things. If we want to walk with Christ, then we have to be in the Word, and it can't be a dry, just sort of textbook for us. It has to be illuminated by the Holy Spirit. And so... Uh, that's that's the readiness and the value of the readiness that we need now let me continue on blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes he says he might come in the second watch or the third watch the second watch the the nighttime begins in israel uh at 6 p.m so and each watch is three hours so six to nine is the first watch nine to twelve a.m nine p.m to twelve a.m that's the second watch and that's not so bad right If you're working, you know, you could stay up 9 to 12. You know, I can do with that. Now, the third watch, though, 12 a.m. to 3 a.m., that's a real challenge. He says, but, you know, if he comes and he finds them awake, they're ready to serve like servants are supposed to do, um, he's going to bless them. He says, blessed are those servants. So here's a question for you. Is this speaking of heaven or here and now, do you think? This idea of a blessing on the servants. I agree with you. Seven feet. Very good. You should come up and do this. (laughs) It's certainly both. And, you know, sure, we can tell people and we can, yeah, I know heaven's going to be wonderful and all that. But there is a rich reward, don't you agree, for living a life ready for Jesus' return here on the earth? I think there is. I do. Um, So, a lot of you are shaking your heads. What's the reward for living here on the earth and living our life ready for Jesus? Good. That's my first one. Conscience. Conscience? Peace of conscience? Uh-huh. I understand. That, yep. You, can say that, you, know, you your uh-huh. Yes, that's perfect. Okay. Anything else? Joy. Joy? How is joy associated with having focused?
2: Well, we have it now,
3: because we're in Him.
0: Okay. Certainly, it's through the Spirit, right? Okay. Anybody else?
3: I think He blesses you with more opportunity to share with people. I think (coughs) when you're walking with Him and you... To people Could be when I'm in that peace, rather than when I'm in that stress mode.
0: Why do you think that is, though? Just besides because maybe you feel like it more. Do you think it's something that people notice in you? Yeah, I think
3: yeah. that's what it is. I think I think he blesses us in that way that that, yeah. that draws people to you know want to know what it is that you have.
0: hmm I was in a study with a group of guys recently, and we. We're looking at that verse uh, that says, um, always be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that was, is within you. Uh, and we were talking about what the word hope meant. you know. And, and I remember when I was working, and I'm a morning person, so that's, the kids are coming in. One year we started school at 7.15. They decided to move us a half hour earlier. 7.15 is very early to start school, um, which was great for me because we were done at 1.59. And I love early and I like going home at 159 you know, it was like a half day. And so um, you know students would say other teachers, oh, you're always so happy um, early in the morning, whatever. And I, I like to think they were they were noticing that there was joy in my life. It's what I like to think It may not be the case, but um, so people have said essentially, you know, why are you so joyful? Um, and we began wondering, has anybody ever said to you, you know, why are you so hopeful? You know, Sometimes you might see that in like a hospital situation where the circumstances are bleak and, and you know that. And sure, it's concerning to you, but yet you still have this peace and hope. Um, but typically people don't say you're so hopeful. So we began discussing this idea of what is that hope? Is it just that confident expectation, you know, that the Lord is, uh, is going to make his way in and all of those things? To some degree, but our conclusion as a group of guys was that it's so much more than that. It's peace that passes understanding based on this fact that we have the hope of heaven. It's joy that even though circumstances here aren't exactly as we want, we know that this isn't our home. It's all of those things wrapped up in that word of hope because our hearts aren't here, they're there, right? Even though our bodies are here. And so I think that's what, Jim, I think that's what you're touching on is this idea people begin to see that there's something different about you and they like the verse says when they ask you what's the reason for the hope that you have you know that's probably why a lot of the doors are um, and you're probably more interested in sharing when you're in a good place right so we said peace we said uh sharing opportunities i've also added uh things like perspective you know so if things aren't going so wonderfully here we know well this isn't my home anyway and in this world I will have tribulation. You know, I don't have to wonder about why I have it. Um, and even holiness. Why might holiness be associated with anticipating his return? I think it goes back to what Ruth said. And
1: you're
0: yeah. I threw that idea really? out there last week
1: mm-hmm
0: that's yeah. very good, yeah, well, I think there' will be a greater holiness because it's sort of an expectancy, so my wife was away for the last three days, and you know the first day there was laundry all over the place, and the kids book bags and shoes and and all this sort of stuff. It was a mess, but it was late. I'm going to bed, you know whatever then yesterday I said, you know she's gonna be home on Wednesday I better strain up a little bit and then today i knew she was coming home later in the afternoon and all the laundry's away and the shoes are where they're supposed to be and you know we made sure that it was appropriate because she's coming and so i think with this expectation two things one i'll get in trouble if i don't clean up but i think secondly is i want to come home and walk into a nice house you know nice as it can be um and similarly so to see i mean, you know how it is when you walk into the house a mess and you're like, the house a mess, you know, they, they had three days. they couldn't clean. And so you want to do that same thing, same idea, you know, with the Lord's return, we want to be ready for his return, right? All right, now let's go on to 39. But know this, if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, sort of a slightly different uh, parable here, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also, you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So the thief is going to come. If you knew he was coming, you'd stand, you'd sit with your shotgun. So there's no way of knowing. So what's the only sure defense? It's to be ever prepared, right? That's the only sure defense there. Uh, so even though we don't know when Christ will return, we can be ever prepared. Um, and again, it goes back to that thing, Lord is today the day. Help me to live as if it is. We can have short accounts with sin. Don't let sin kind of back up in our lives, but when it happens, we confess it as such. Um, Keep searching our hearts, not just for sin, but even, Lord, where is my heart? Is my heart in heaven, or is my heart here on the earth? Am I building for eternity, or just the temporal? And things like that. All those sorts of things. Make sure that we are ready for when the thief, if you will, comes in the night. All right, any other thoughts on those few verses? All right, Then let's go on to verse 41. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming. And he begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come in a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready, or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved the beating, he'll receive a light beating everyone to whom much was given of him much will be required and from him to whom they entrusted much they will demand the more all righty well let's go back and take a look at these verses Uh, starting off in point one lord is this parable for us uh peter wants to know it reminds me of you know you have this great lesson and you worked real hard on it in class and um this is going to be the greatest lesson you ever had and you you present it, and a kid has his hands up, and you know you're connecting. You know, because kids are asking questions, they want to know. And the question is, is this on the test? Because, you know, the kids just want to know, do I need to learn this, or can I just zone out for a little while? Is this going to be on the test? Well, Peter wants to know, do I really need to listen to this whole thing son- Is this for us? That's, obviously, that's not his main point here. Um, but he's trying to say, Lord, are you, are you telling me this? Now, notice Jesus' response. Who, then, is the faithful and wise manager? Whom his master will set over the household. So essentially, what Jesus is saying this is for those that need to be a faithful and wise steward, or manager is the the more current term there. Well, who's that? Who needs to be a faithful and wise steward? Everybody. We've all been entrusted with something, haven't we? As parents, we've been entrusted with our kids, as uh, employees, with the job that we have to do, as servants in, in the kingdom of God. In one role or another, we've been entrusted with a task. As Christians, we've been entrusted with the name of Christ, and we're light bearers. And so uh, all of us are needed, it is needed of all of us to be faithful and wise. So Jesus then goes on, he says, Well, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, who will set him over all of his possessions. There is, here on the earth, and there will be in heaven, a reward for faithful and wise servant unto the Lord. And again, remember, one of the key things, or I would say the key thing, that the Lord is looking for in his servants is faithfulness. It's not so much results and, um, and all that kind of stuff, but it's faithfulness. Were you faithful in what you were called to do? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And so, the rewards. This side of heaven, peace, satisfaction. Um, even promotion you know you've been faithful in a little I'm, I'll put you over much and things like that in heaven uh, we know we talked about crowns that we can cast and give glory to the Lord um, Ruth just pointed out again what we looked at last week an enlarged heart you know a greater capacity to understand the things of the Lord and enjoy really the things of the Lord um, souls how many? you remember that Ray Bolt song thank you a lot of people remember it, it was a great song uh, in which he kind of tells the story of all these people that get to heaven that were seemingly no names or unnoticed, uh, here on the earth. But in heaven, it was because of that, you know, small little thing, you know, somebody gave a dollar to the missionary and because of that dollar you gave to that missionary, I'm here today. And the Sunday school teacher who used to pray and one day when you prayed that prayer, I asked Jesus into my life and so on, Um uh, part of our reward will be souls in heaven be able to look around and, and be a part of people's uh, salvation stories that's good stuff isn't it well that's certainly a reward well it goes on and he says but if the servant says my master's not coming and he begins to beat the male and female servants to eat and drink and to get drunk and and so on so let's look at that idea beat the male and female servants eat and drink and get drunk well this is a poor steward um who is certainly not living with an expectation that the master is going to come home uh, because look at the way he's starting to treat people Second um, Peter 3 says scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing following their own sinful desires and they will say where is the promise of his coming uh, and these people they're saying that with their actions they're mistreating those who they were called to lead They're wasting resources, aren't they? They're wasting uh, time. They're wasting money. Um, And they're not being a good and faithful servant at all. And there'll be a judgment. Uh, So 47 goes on, uh, continues, I should say, that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, um, will be judged. It goes, you can, general idea of the passage there. Our responsibility that servant who knew his master's will but did not do it so a lot of times we think all right i want to be a good christian so i won't do these things and you can name them right i won't do this i won't do that because those are bad things and that's an aspect of our walk with christ certainly so but i think another aspect of our work walk with christ is not so much what we don't do but what we do do and so here is a guy that knew his master's will but he didn't do it there was something he was supposed to do um Our responsibility is not only to keep ourselves from doing evil as the Lord leads us, but also to do well as the Lord leads us. So let me ask you, what are some areas that we as believers are called to do that we typically tend to let fall by the wayside? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you on it say All right, so we can broaden that out. Uh, Listening to the Lord's leading and following it, right? Um, So I I made a statement on Sunday morning that really hit home with me, and that was um, following the Spirit's leading even in the smallest of things and the significance of that and the importance of that. And so being in tune with where he's going and saying yes to that. All right, good. That's a great example. How about some other things? preaching as a
2: like as a witness sharing our faith oh okay i don't know if that's a chance say anything you know yeah or god's like say something and you're
0: like well, i don't know Mm-hmm. okay sharing our faith with others good you know i uh when the jesus movement was happening um a lot of it was happening out in california and associated with calvary chapel and calvary chapel costa mesa they're church exploded like thousands and thousands of people were coming and uh there hadn't been a lot of mega churches in that day today there's a lot more and so people from all over began coming uh, to find out the secret what is it that they're doing we want to do that back in our town as well we want to see people come to the Lord and so people all over began coming and you know what's your secret what's your secret uh and one particular fellow was sharing a story that he, he talked with Chuck Smith and he said, well, it's got to be this it's got to be this, it's got to be this and he said, committees, do you have committees? you know, is it that? Is it that? he said, no, no, we don't have any committees here he said, well well, we have one committee, we have an evangelism committee, and he said, I knew it you know, and how many men are on that committee, or how many people are on that committee? and he said, 3,000 uh, which was the size of the congregation, he said, everybody goes out and shares their faith. Everyone and saw it as their responsibility to go out and tell other people. And um, every night, people are bringing people to church, and people are getting saved, and the church is growing. Uh, and the uh, the church capital C church is growing as a result. And so, sharing our faith. You know, imagine if every one of us was like gung ho about sharing and inviting and bringing. Um, the impact that has, and and we see it. I mean, people bring people here all the time, which is wonderful. Um, you know, but I'm sure there's a lot more people that we could be inviting that we're a little timid or nervous about, not doing so. Myself included. So that's a good one. Okay. Any others? I shared earlier about disciplines um, in the Christian walk. You know, and. I, I read a book, you know, Richard Foster has a book, Celebration of Discipline. I think he has like 12 of them. Um, I, I don't know, that seems like a lot. Uh, a lot of other stuff to do, you know what I mean? But it was a lot of disciplines. I think you could break it down even more simply into like five disciplines that are wise for Christians to be doing reading the Word, right? Praying, uh, fellowshipping, uh, fasting, and then another one I can't think of right now, but I wanted to get to the point about fasting. Um, I don't like that discipline. You know, that's not one of my favorite ones. And so you tend to not do it, you know. And I'll just focus on something else instead. Um, the ones I'm good at. I like reading, you know. I like sitting with the Lord. and uh, I like church. I like fellowshipping and stuff like that. But I'm not a big fan of fasting. And so that would be one for me that uh, I know his will, but I'm not doing it uh, as I should or as frequently as I should. Well, verse 48, to whom much is given of him, much will be required. Now, if we take this from the perspective of um, the, the stewards, you know, you're in charge here. I put you in charge. Or if we take it from the perspective of, um, you know, the, the servant in the church or something, you're the pastor. Uh, or the small group leader or the this or the that. Uh, or even from the perspective of you're a Christian i've given you the holy spirit the lord would say i've given you the ability to understand my mind and to follow my leading in my direction much has been given um and yet um if despite that we go our own direction well then there's a great judgment for that to whom much is given much will be required and specifically if i can find it here it says that servant who knew his master's will but didn't do it he'll receive a severe beating now i don't think that means hell here, I think we're using a parable to explain this idea, but the idea is there will be a great judgment for that. Matthew Poole, he was a uh, Puritan writer, he said, Ignorance of the divine shall not wholly excuse the sinner. He shall be beaten, but his stripes shall be few. His damnation shall be gentle. Compare with the minister's, that knows his master's will, but does not, but does it not. Teaches it to others, but does not, does it not himself. God looks upon wicked, loose, and scandalous and mischievous ministers as the greatest transgressors and he will deal with them as such. Those are strong words. Um, and I don't, I'm do not i not fully comfortable with it, but I think they're true to be honest, honest with you. What do you think? I was about the scribes
1: and the Pharisees. did Jesus hit them hard? He did. He did. them the hard things and then you tend to lift your own little pinky finger there. Yeah. Um kind of thing. Uh, and then also was thinking about the talents god or the master gate and
0: You know, you think of the parent that says, uh, "Do as I say, not as, or, not as I do." Well, that's terrible. You know what I mean? If if that's your philosophy for parenting, stop it because <laughs> that's not a good philosophy. Uh, but it goes back to this idea. You know, you're telling your kid not to do it. Don't do it yourself. You know. So, All right? So that's that should be a challenge to us. You know, are we telling people that? Uh, you can trust Jesus, and then we're not trusting Him ourselves. Are we telling people that Jesus can free us, you know, from those sins that bind us, and then we are giving in and being bound up by a sin? You know, all these examples that we can think of. Uh, there's a judgment for that, and so we want to be very, very careful and in the right place with the Lord. Yes. Mm-hmm. You have it. yeah absolutely so and and I don't think that passage means that none of us then should pursue teaching. you know I ain't going there because I'll get in trouble, you know what I mean it means make sure your life is
1: right, you know and so. Oh, right. No, you're, you're
0: sure. He's you yeah. to be a teacher. Yep. <sighs> okay. All right, let's look at this last little section here. Uh, this is verse 49. It says, uh, I came to cast fire on the earth. And would that it were already kindled I have a baptism to be baptized with And how great is my distress Until it is accomplished Do you think that I have come to give peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division For from now on in one house There will be five divided Three against two and two against three They will be be divided Father against son, son against father Mother against daughter and daughter against mother Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law And daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law So Jesus begins, he says, I came to cast fire on the earth. Um, You know, a lot of times we think of Jesus, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Uh, The reality is Jesus spoke some difficult, challenging words to people, (coughs) particularly those that thought they were good and fine. Um, And Jesus here, his idea is he didn't come to make everyone happy. He didn't come to make everyone comfortable, um, but he came to deal with sin. So certainly our sin and the consequences of our sin. But additionally, he came to deal with the presence of sin in our lives. And so uh, he came to bring fire. I came to cast fire on the earth. Now, What would that fire be? I think it's the Holy Spirit um, that cleanses us, that deals with our sin, that both uh, convicts us of sin uh, in the sense of I don't want it in my life anymore and also draws us to the Father to have it taken out of our lives, um, and and to be rid of it in our lives. And so Jesus came to bring a fire on the earth. He says in verse 50, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great my distress is. Uh, That baptism would be what? What's he speaking of? It's crucifixion, absolutely. Uh, And we know that he says my distress, uh, how great is my distress. We We know that Jesus didn't want to go to the cross in that sense. He asked his Father to remove it. Uh, if there be any other way. But Jesus loved us more than he loved his own comfort, if you will, an absence of pain. And so he took the cross. And verse 51, do you think I've come to give peace on the earth? No, rather division. We're talking about being a faithful steward in this entire chapter or section, I should say, tonight. One of the requirements to be a faithful steward May be that we have to go through division with others here on the earth. Now Jesus isn't saying go pick fights with people, and his goal isn't ultimately that we we move to some commune somewhere and everybody hates their parents, you know, or whatever. But we're right with God, whatever it may be. That's not his goal in this process. But the reality is uh, that division may have to come in order for us to be faithful followers of the Lord. You know, I remember sharing with uh, students at school and. I remember one girl in particular I was sharing with. And she (coughs) said, I like what you're saying. I like everything about what you're saying. It all is good. It all makes sense. She said, but I can't leave my religion. Um, She was Catholic. And particularly very Italian Catholic. um, Just as a lot of Irish Catholics, a lot of Italian Catholics are very, like, it's a cultural thing as well as a religious thing. Uh, And I remember at the time... Saying, and and I kind of believe this is. I'm not asking you to leave your Catholic family faith or whatever, um, but rather understand who Jesus is, uh, and you know the significance, so on, of, of salvation and stuff. Sometimes I wonder, though, if, and I know sometimes people do need to leave that, and their parents need to be upset with them, or uh, and this was an older girl; she was about 18. Um, and there has to be that division. And sometimes we have to choose. It's going to be one or it's going to be other. And sometimes it can't be both. And I think Jesus' point here is no relationship must be permitted to come in the way of your relationship with him. Um, and so be prepared for that. And, you know, Jesus was up front. You know, he wasn't some used car salesman who didn't let you know about all of the little nicks uh, and things like that. He was very upfront with people and he said, if you want to come follow me, then you got to take up your cross and daily die to yourself. Um, I don't have anywhere to lay down my head and, you know, this ain't going to be some picnic and things like that. He's very upfront, very honest with people. Here's one more of those examples. Uh, And so we take inventory, right? We want to be faithful stewards. We want to have our eyes firmly fixed on heaven uh, and running the race. Uh, I think these couple of verses here, a couple of sections of verses speak to those things. Amen? Amen. Any thoughts? Uh, I was wondering, um,
1: say, like in the parables, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, and at the forefront of this, it looks like this would be contradictory, and I know it isn't. Sure. But, you know, it's kind of like, how do you balance the two? Mm Mm-hmm. Good question. so close to the truth that he can't
0: see the truth. Mm. My two sons are walking mm. you know, like they say, you two are divided
1: so I'm just gonna go my own way. Yeah. Um so I've try to find ways of studying the
0: Sure. You know. Yeah. So how do you, you bring the two together? What does anybody think? How would you bring the two
1: together? Um, you know, to make peace.
0: Well, I, I think of that scripture that says, as much as depends on you, be at peace with all men. You know, we know that there we're not going to be at peace with all men. There are going to be times where there's, but it's not it shouldn't be our fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, so I shouldn't scream and yell at him because he disagrees with me, and now we're not at peace. Well, that's my fault because I screamed and yelled at him and called him names, you know, because he didn't agree. And so, as much depends on you. So, that's what I would say. That would be my answer. Anyone else? You, take, you like that? You take that one? Okay. Yeah, I
1: used to argue a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Love is a great
3: apologetic
1: mm-hmm. What Paul said it. too about uh, <laughs> Just being a good example
0: mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely mm-hmm. Alright Alright well, Let's uh, pray We'll get everyone on their way Do you want to do another song? Sure. One last one Father uh, I thank you for uh, this group I thank you for the way in which you're teaching us Lord, we thank you today um, just for reminding us afresh about keeping our eyes on heaven and, Lord, uh, being faithful with with that which you entrusted uh, to us. We certainly think of the testimony we have or the gifts that we have or the resources that you've entrusted to us here on the earth. And uh, Lord, we want to be faithful in all these things. Lord, we know that in being faithful, uh, that that may cause some challenging circumstances here on the earth. And so, Lord, uh, even in those things, we want our eyes to be fixed on you, that we might choose well, Lord, how to move forward. We pray in your name.